Welcome into NBA Sound System. My name is Gil McGregor. I am joined here by Scott Rafferty. And Scott, it feels like a long four months goes by without NBA basketball. And now, opening week of the NBA season, there are so many games on some nights, it's hard to keep up with all the action. I'm not complaining. It's a good problem to have, but it's just crazy how time flies. It's funny. I was talking to uh, Alcoa Kakao Loving about this a couple weeks ago. And the start of the season is always funny to me because, you know, once you reach like game 60 or 70, you might not be watching as much of like the Pistons or the Magic, you know, no disrespect to those teams, but they're at that point of the season where like you, you kind of know what they are. The crazy thing about the start of the season, I want to see everyone. I want to see Paolo Mancaro. I want to see Cade Cunningham. I want to see them go back, uh, you know, go at each other and things like that. So it does feel like all 11 games on a random Friday night right now. I'm kind of tuning into all of them, but it's great. It feels like Christmas. Spoken like a true basketball purist, I definitely have watched teams that I probably won't be watching, you know, down the stretch run of the season because, you know, maybe it's going to be a, t a tank war at that point. But it is really cool to see some teams who we expected to stumble out of the gates uh, actually be a little more successful than we expected. Um, I think that's the joy of the early season. You see some upsets, see some surprises and things of that nature. Now, talk about stumbling out of the gates. And, and I feel like you and I are both in great spirits. We're both doing well with the NBA season. So that means we're both doing better than the loss. Angeles Lakers it's been very ugly to start the season now it's one thing to come out of the gates and struggle it's one thing to come out of the gates and lose a couple games but the way that the Lakers have been losing the way that they've been struggling they can't hit a jump shot we don't know what's going to happen with Russell Westbrook it really hasn't been fun to watch you talk about opening night against the Warriors for the most part they didn't like they belonged out there the Clippers game you got Kawhi sitting for the first like 18 minutes and the Lakers could barely struggle to stay in there they had a chance at the end but they just could not execute so what has been your assessment of the Lakers so far this season because I feel like there are too many problems to count on one hand that they've had so far you're right. And I, I think to that kind of to that point as well, Russell Westbrook is a really easy punching bag right now. It feels mm -hmm. like everyone's yeah. piling on him. And there's no denying like he hasn't been great. Uh, it's also not his only his fault that they are where they are through three games. I mean, look, the only players on the roster right now who are shooting 30% from three, right? 30% or higher, which is an extremely low bar. Low bar. So, there's only two players, Matt Ryan and Max Christie. Um, and they made a total of three threes. So that should give you an indication of it's not just a Russ problem here. No one can buy a bucket on this team. Um, and, you know, when you look at like LeBron, for example, look, we're working with really small sample sizes here, right? It's only right. three games. But something I have my eye on, knowing, you know, where LeBron is at this stage of his career, the roster they built around him, he currently has the highest three-point attempt rate of his career and the lowest free throw rate. All right. Um, Anthony Davis, not quite as bad, but he has the second highest three point attempt rate of his career and the fourth lowest free throw rate. Um, these are two superstars, right? This team is built entirely around them. Knowing what their strengths are, those numbers really jump out to me of they're not being put in the positions that they, they need to be, right? Like LeBron at this stage of his career should not be hoisting nine threes a game um, and just never getting to the free throw line. Same thing with AD. Um, and, you know, it really, like, I, I think one of the illuminating plays from their loss to the Trailblazers came with, like, four minutes left. LeBron and Anthony Davis ran a pick and roll. Um, they got a switch with Josh Hart and Anthony Davis. And that should have been, like, you know, they're going to feast. He's going to feast in that, that, that matchup. As good, of a, as good of a defender as Josh Hart is. But Yusuf Nurkic is just hanging right in front of the basket so AD can't get the ball because he's defending Russell Westbrook. They kick the ball up to Russ, he misses a three. And again, it's not just a Russ problem, but it just kind of speaks to the fact that like LeBron and AD can just not play to their strengths as this team is currently constructed. 
And we had a sense of that going into the season, knowing that the kind of the team that they put around them. But look, the defense has actually been like pretty good, right? That the, They have the second best defensive rating against small sample size. But I think ADs looked really sharp on that end of the court. Even Russell Westbrook, you know, Darvin Ham going into the season was challenging him to kind of be the defender. Really, he was billed kind of going into the NBA. Like he, Russ had the potential to be like a defensive specialist when he first came in. And obviously, he's grown into a far superior offensive player than anyone expected. But he had like five steals in that Clippers game. Um, had some big stops against Kawhi in particular in his return. So the defense has actually looked pretty good. But this team has the lowest offensive rating in the league right now. Um, they are scoring at a rate of 97.2 points per 100 possessions. And Gil, just to give you an idea of that, I did a little research before coming on here. The last team to post an offensive rating below 100 in an entire season was the 2015-16 76ers, who went a mm. wonderful 10-72. and 72. Mm. So, uh, yeah, 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 I remember that team. I, I think I think the Lakers are going to be better on that end of the court as the season progresses because right. it can't really get much worse than this. Um, but that kind of gives you an idea of kind of where this team is at right now, I think. There, there's so many things that you said that, that I definitely want to unpack. And I want to start with with LeBron. And, and AD, I know he's he's been a punching bag in years past as well, whether it's his ability to stay on the floor, his reluctance to play at the five. But I really think it's interesting you talk about LeBron James and, and maybe, you know, year after year we talk about Father Time. There's now a Nike ad campaign with Father Time and LeBron. Like, how is that going to look when LeBron regresses? And I think we talk so much about LeBron being smart. Maybe he does have this type of regression in, in a way in that, we aren't really necessarily noticing it in that like he he's, doesn't have the athleticism or the bounce isn't necessarily there, but man, maybe he's not driving as much. Maybe he's settling for these threes because this is his way of kind of compensating for his body slowing down and him not being able to take those bumps that he usually could take and, and, and absorb contact the way they normally does. Now, I do remember uh, early on in the year, he had a couple big boy takes. I think one was on Kavon Looney on opening night um, where he kind of just posted him up and, and made him look much younger. Like, like look, Kavon Looney is. He, he looked like a man amongst boys in that moment. But very interesting to think about LeBron James. Is this how he slows down? Is he settling for jump? because this isn't uh, something he's capable of doing right now. Maybe he's just working smarter and not harder, and we'll start seeing more drives 10, 15, 20 games to the season. But to the point, this team isn't good enough to afford uh, a slow start to the season to fall behind the eight ball and, and be five, seven games under 500, uh, you know, when they're at that point when LeBron decides to turn it up another notch and, and attack more and get to the line more. So that's the big concern with them. I, I know it's interesting. We talk about Lakers and punching bags, and I think because – I think this is this kind of stands true for all sports. The teams that have a lot of bandwagon fans, when they struggle, it, 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 people love dunking on them. And everybody's been dunking on the Lakers. They've had a lot of fun dunking on the Lakers and, and that insult to injury. If the Lakers struggle this year, their pick goes to the Pelicans via the pick swap to get them Anthony Davis. So it's not a lot for them to be uh, excited about. So I guess that's the question that I ask for you because when I came into the year, I don't think I was ready to concede that this was a bad basketball team. I didn't think that they were a good basketball team, but right now they're kind of teetering on the line of being a bad basketball team. There are signs of hope. You mentioned the defense. Now, now when I talk about the, the guys they have, the talent they have, and, and it seems like a Russell Westbrook trade is inevitable at some point, but is that the glimmer of hope that you hold on to, the fact that they might be able to move Russell Westbrook, the fact that this team is at least disciplined defensively to make teams have to work for it? And, and Russell Westbrook did look good defensively, guarding Kawhi Leonard, uh, fronting on the post, getting a couple steals. So so what is it that they do moving forward to, to get people excited and maybe get dunked on less on social media? I, I think it, based on some of the reporting, it kind of seems like 
they could have made the Buddy Heald milestone a trade that everyone's been talking about, right? But I think it's it's pretty clear that they're kind of waiting, seeing their time to see who else becomes available. Which, when you think, I mean, look, we're gonna, we're gonna probably talk about them today. The Jazz are three and zero. I think everyone expected them to be zero and three, potentially zero and ten. Like this team looked like it was gonna tank from start to finish. Um, but they've been fighting to start the season. But who knows, you know, by, by January going into that February trade deadline, whether it is a team like the Jazz who do want to kind of, you know, get rid of everyone who's playing really well for them so they can go into the Victor Webanyama uh, sweepstakes head on, what kind of players become available? So I wonder if, like, that's the reason they're going to be a little bit patient. But, I mean, they're 0-3, you know. How, how patient can you be if it's going to be this bad? Um, and, and, you know, I, I wrote after that Clippers game, I do think there was, you know, it, again, it's it's easy to, to make, you know, poke fun or, or the, poke holes in, in Russell Westbrook's game and put the blame on him. He did have some moments in that game, you know, like there's no overlooking the fact that he shot 0 for 11. But yeah, he did make some things happen defensively. Um, I, I think some of the shots he's taken in some of these games, um, you know, haven't been necessarily bad. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think he is trying. It's just very clear that this roster is not set up to, to be, you know, what play to his strengths. And I think the problem is right now, it's also not playing to the strengths of LeBron and AD. Um, and that's ultimately what this all comes down to. Because what you were saying, especially about like LeBron and the, the small signs of regression that we see from him. And by the way, it is worth mentioning, like LeBron's averaging 27 points, 11 rebounds and seven assists right. through three games. Right. And it, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, the LeBron dominating the game like we've always known him to be. At this age, to still do what he's doing is absolutely incredible. Right. And it just kind of speaks to the talent that he is. But I, I do think... Like, he played a lot of center last year for the Lakers, right? With AD out, um, a lot of picking and rolling, cutting, things like that. The reality is, if AD's on the court with him, AD's going to kind of be filling that role. And then with the non-shooters or very limited shooters that they have surrounding them, like, LeBron's just not going to have as much space to work with. And I think that might be the biggest difference kind of at this stage of his career compared to earlier. Like, he may have been able to make up for that in other ways early in his career, but maybe at this point, um, that is too much for him to overcome. And again, he's still going to put up monster numbers, right? Like, he's still shooting... Efficiently from the field, um, he, he struggled from three, shooting 26%. But, like, it, it, it's LeBron. But I think the, the way that he, you know, to make the most out of, like, the end, the tail end of his career, it does feel like they're going to have to shake something up here. And I, I also, like, to be fair to Ross, too, like, I, I think it's just very clear at this point that it's, it's not going to work with the three of them. Mm. You know what I mean? We, we, we saw in that last, I think it was the last preseason game, right? Darvin Ham brought him off the bench. Mm-hmm. Russ obviously did not take well to that, saying that he, he suffered that hamstring injury because he came off the bench, and that was such a change of routine for him. But, like, you know, do, do, does he try that sooner rather than later? You know what I mean? Does that give Russ kind of the the touches that he needs, the control of the offense that he needs to really get going offensively and things like that? So I, I wonder if we see some of that happen sooner, and then if that's still not going well, um, yeah, maybe Polinka does kind of look to cash in those two first-round picks sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think that's very poetic considering it is year 20 for LeBron. They're racing against time because we, who knows how much more of LeBron this production will get. I see we, we ask that every year and we get it another year, but who knows? And also they're running out of time this season because, like I said, before it gets too late, um, they're going to have to do something, whether it's a lineup change, whether it's a trade, whatever the case may be, the Lakers are in search of answers. A week into the season, which is exactly how we probably predicted that it would be for them. They have a long way to go. Now, some other fan bases who aren't getting dunked on, who are probably doing the dunking on social media. The Celtics, I, I for one, can admit that I was a bit of a doubter. I, I think that, and I, and I said this you know, on uh, NBA Twitter spaces, ahead of opening night when they played the 76ers, I put a lot of stock into the fact that they had an interim head coach coming into this season. 
It doesn't look like that's made that much of a difference. The Celtics opened the season with two statement wins, uh, I think, over the Sixers, over the Heat, and then they took care of business against the Magic. And I kind of joked that would be the type of game that the Celtics would lose in years past. But not just, again, it's one thing to win games to open the season, but to come out of the season and have some statement wins, but also have Jason Tatum really look like he's making that leap. And, and I know that we know Jason Tatum to be a guy who – um, has these really hot streaks and these really cold streaks. I had to look back last year. He was 7 for 30 on opening night last year. This year he had 35 points on opening night. So night and day difference for him. But I guess the thing I, I'm wondering is, is do you think that this, the Celtics team kind of rallied around one another and this is just kind of a momentum thing to come out of the gates? Or is this really who they are? Have they kind of righted the wrongs that they made last year in the finals because they were right there? And, and I, for one, thought that they were going to fall off this year. But so far, it's early. Small sample size alerts galore. But I really do think that the Celtics have looked like a team that is going to kind of avenge their loss uh, in the finals last year. I, I was with you going into the season, by the way. Like, I, I was... A little bit pessimistic about them. I still thought this was like a top four team pretty clearly in the East, but whether or not I, I thought like the Bucks were the clear team to come out of the East this season, kind of going into the season. Um, but you're right. They've been absolutely incredible um, through three games, picked up a couple good wins too, beat the Sixers on opening night and then the Heat. Um, Jason Tatum has been absolutely incredible to your point. And I think the funny thing about him is that his, his career has had this trend, especially over the last like two or three seasons. I feel like he comes out really slow um for a couple months then like going into all-star it feels like he's hitting his stride and then he really takes off at the end of uh, at the end of the season um and, and it seems this season like I, I think people have always wondered like what if tatum was just what if this was just tatum from game number one right like right. what would it look like and it does kind of feel like that's what we're getting this season like it, it just we see it with superstars all the time right they go that there's different like there's different jumps that people make and it feels to me like he's just made the jump of being really comfortable on both ends of the court. Like knowing like he's just a superhero, can get to his spots whenever he wants. Um, and really like defensively, he's always been really great. Offensively, I, it just feels like he's like fine tuning everything. Um, one shot in particular that I'm looking at a lot this season, I think is going to be really important for him is that floater. Um, it's a right. shot he's really struggled with in the past. Last season, according to NBA.com, he went 23 for 69 on floaters, which is which is not good. Um, and it, there was an article in The Athletic about how that was the shot that he worked on during the offseason, knowing kind of the looks that he was getting in the finals and how important that is for him. So, so far this season, small sample size, he's four for five. Um, I think that's a great start for him. He does look more comfortable taking that shot. But it's those like little things that I feel like his whole offensive game is just kind of rounding into form right now. Um, so, yeah, he's been absolutely incredible to start the season. It is funny, though. They're, they're almost like the opposite of the Lakers. Like, mm. This, this was a defensive team last season. They were the best defensive team in the league. Right now, they have one of the worst defensive ratings in the NBA, but they have the best offensive rating. Like, they are just absolutely um, shooting flames right now, which is kind of funny based on how their season ended with, you know, all the offensive troubles they had in the finals. And we'll see if they can keep that up. But it's also worth mentioning, like, they don't have Robert Williams III right now, right? right? Who was right. an all-NBA guy, defensive player of the year candidate last season. Um, they might not have him for a couple of months, but he's crucial to what they do on that in the court. So they'll get him back at a certain time. You know, as, as long as they keep kind of playing at this level, keep winning games, it, it puts less pressure on him to return um, sooner rather than later. And, you know, we'll see what they get out of like Danilo Gallinari if he ever returns and everything like that. But, you know, prior to all that stuff in the offseason that happened, I think everyone was like pretty high on the, the Celtics, especially after the moves that they made with like Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari. Um, to the point where they they seemed like they were going to be the best team of the East this season. So um, 
I'm like you. I, I thought they would kind of hit a rough patch at least at the start as they were trying to work things through, but they've they've kind of answered all the all the calls right now. I think the big thing about Jason Tatum, thinking about it and listening to the, the ways in which he's added to his game, and really thinking about the the trends that he's kind of been in. It's always felt like you know he's taken two or three steps forward and he'll take one or two back, but he's always progressing and, and it's kind of incremental because the steps back happen, whether it slumps. And we saw one in the NBA finals. We saw a slump and we saw him struggle a little bit. And I think he was uh, received a little unfair criticism because I think it's not, it's always a crazy sobering reminder that Jason Tatum is 24 years old. Like all this stuff that he's doing and this superstar leap we're talking about and expecting from him, he's 24 years old. And I think that it's inevitable that it's going to happen because we see him add to his game. We see what he's capable of doing defensively and, and even though it was against the Magic and we talked about the Magic and, and whatever it is, he did say, you know, Paolo Bancaro is getting off. I'm going to guard him and we're going to win this game because I'm going to take on this defensive assignment. I'm also going to go for 40 while I do it. That is that is the type of thing that really is the mentality that, that illustrates um, the, the leap that we'll see him make. Um, and you talked about Robert Williams III and Danilo Gallinari potentially wanting to come back and really working hard to rehab and get back for the stretch run of the season. Malcolm Brogdon, a big ad for them. Um, you know, I think that that's something that I've noticed when I when I watched them against uh, the 76ers. You could tell that the, the timing's a little off. These guys are learning how to play with one another. So I do think the Celtics can kick it into another gear. I think that they might be similar to Jason Tatum in which we see them take a couple of steps forward and maybe take one or two steps back during the season. But I think that that's going to help them in the long run. And I think in this Eastern Conference, which – it's kind of it's been interesting so far to start the season, but I, I think it's going to be unforgiving just given the talent and the types of teams that are in the Eastern Conference and the deferring styles. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of chess matches going on, especially when teams start jockeying position down the stretch run of the year. I think the Celtics are really going to benefit from having a start, strong start to the season, especially if they can position themselves well once they start bringing their guys back into the lineup. Now, I can't talk about these strong teams in the Eastern Conference without talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. They were my pick to win the championship this year. And I watched them play. Uh, they, they were one of the last teams to, to, to debut this year. They didn't play until Thursday after the season started on Tuesday. And they got a gutsy win in Philadelphia. They're injury riddled to start the year. No Chris Middleton, no Pat Connaughton. Um, Joe Ingles isn't going to be back till later in the year. So they're playing Marjan Bochamp, who's a rookie out of G League Ignite. Um, seeing a lot of West Matthew minutes. Um, Grayson Allen is getting starts, but... Obviously, Giannis is still Giannis. He was also my pick to be MVP this year. So looking at the Bucks, the way that they kind of had that next man up mentality, um, and it isn't necessarily anything specific that they've done. I just think that they're this force they won, you know, a little over a year ago, um, and they're hungry to do it again. So I feel like you're high on the Bucks as well. You tend to be high on the Bucks pretty much every year. So what have you seen from them and Giannis so far? And I guess even comparing and contrasting with what we've seen from the Celtics and other powers in the league uh, that makes you confident that they'll probably be successful again this year. They were my pick coming out of the East as well and winning the championship. Uh, my MVP pick was Joel Embiid, which is not looking as good as your MVP, MVP it's early, pick it's for, early. for Giannis, but it is early. Uh, look, I, I just, this team, they've got a proven call in Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Milton. I think you'd struggle to find a one through three on a roster that complement each other as well as they do. Um, they do have, I, I know people are questioning their depth, but I think they have some depth, some important depth. Um, like Javon Carter was a good pickup for them. Um, we'll see what kind of Serge Ibaka can do after he's had that back surgery not long ago. He hasn't looked quite like the same player since. 
Um, you know, heady players like George Hill coming off the bench. And then when they do get Joe Ingles back, we'll have to see what his knee looks like after that ACL tear. But he's another smart guy, can knock down threes, do a little playmaking, take some of the pressure off of their big three. Um, but I, I think that's it, right? Like Giannis is arguably and probably the best player in the world. There's no one who can stop him one-on-one. You used to be able to throw kind of everything at him and slow him down a little bit there. You can't do that anymore because he's turned into this incredible passer. Um, he might be the best defender in the league. We saw that in that season opening win over the 76ers. It felt like he was just having his own block party. Um, what he can do, he can basically just defend every single position, defend the rim better than anyone else in the league. Um, he's just unbelievable on both ends of the court. Um, Drew Holiday, we know who he is. I also think, look, Gil, you're probably going to laugh at me when I say this because uh, no one loves him more than me. But um, okay. Brook Lopez didn't play much last it. season. Brook Lopez did not play much last season. <laughs> That's true. It's and true. he's so important to what they do on both ends of the court. You know, the, the spacing that he provides, being able to step out to the three-point line just opens up the rim even more for Giannis. Um, and then defensively, a guy who everyone used to pick on defensively, um, you know what I mean? What, what he's been able to do on that end of the court throughout his career turn into one of the best rim protectors, just a huge body. He bothered Joel Embiid on opening night, right? Who's one of the toughest covers in the NBA, a guy who can just, seems like just out physical every single other person. Um, Brooke Lopez is just so important to what they do on both ends of the court. So the fact that he's out there, hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, it's, just, it's just hard not to like this team. Like they know who they are. They play both ends of the court. Um, they understand each other really well. So, and the nice thing for them too, because, you know, Chris Middleton hasn't played yet. Seems like it could be a little bit of time before we see him, but um, they have kind of a a very easy a very easy start to the season, which is nice for them. I don't think they're going to miss him too much for the first couple of weeks. And like I said, Rob Williams, I think that kind of takes some of the pressure off of him, feeling like he has to come back um, sooner rather than later. Absolutely, and it's interesting. Like thinking about the the Bucks, and it's something that I heard, and, and it's one of those things where you hear a stat, and it makes sense once you hear it because you kind of conceptualize it. I, during the TNT broadcast, they're the oldest team in the NBA this season. I know the Lakers had that crown last year. They they got younger uh, during um, you know free agency. The Lakers did, but the Bucks, you know, you talk about you know, and, and I know it's kind of it's kind of skewed. George Hill is thirty six, Wesley Matthews is thirty six, Joe Ingles is thirty five, um, but Brooke Lopez, you talk about, is thirty four years old, Serge Ibaka. 33 years old. So it's not a young team. Now, granted, that means they have guys that have been there before. All these guys that I've mentioned have been to the finals or, or played for a championship, at least, um, you know, Brooke Lopez has won one and Serge Ibaka has won a championship. And, and this core is still intact with the big three that they have. But it isn't a young team. So health is going to be very key for them. And I do think that, you know, we talk about, you know, the names and, and you talk about Brooke Lopez. He is a former All-Star. People kind of laugh and give you a hard time. But I get where you're coming from with Brooke Lopez and, and what he does. But it's going to be some obscure names, I feel like, for this Bucks team. You know, can they get... A, a big night out of Marjan Bochamp. He's a rookie, but can he step up and do something once in a while? Jordan War, Pat Connaughton, once he's back. And then we see these guys and we see teams, you know, on the path to championships, regardless of who it is, they have a big night or a big moment or big performances. Last year we saw it, you know, with an Otto Porter or with an Emmanuel Bielitsa. Guys who step up and make plays, I think the Bucks are going to have to have guys like that. And it's very interesting just because it kind of seems like Giannis is, is, will be 27 and a few, 28, excuse me, in a few months, which is again crazy to conceptualize but he kind of feels like he's in the middle of it there's like the team that's younger than him and the team that's older than him and, and one of those guys that kind of fall in line behind Giannis is going to have to step up and make a play here or there uh this season for them to to do it but again I kind of just went with the team who has the best player and felt like that uh would be what leads them to win a championship and we'll see, by the way, Sham Sharania um, of The Athletic today reported that they've been linked to Jay Crowder, who mm-hmm. clearly wants to get out mm-hmm. of Phoenix. 
And, you know, that PJ Tucker was so important to what they did in that right. championship run. Jay Crowder kind of fills that role of a physical, like, stretch four who can take on some of the tough defensive matchups and really allow, you know, Brook Lopez to stay near the paint, Giannis to kind of play that roaming role that he does so well defensively. So, um, you know, all these teams, anytime there's a championship contender, the teams to watch kind of go into the trade deadline. And if they picked up someone like that, uh, obviously pending who they give up to get a Jay Crowder, that I, I would really like that kind of addition to this team. Absolutely. Jay Crowder has been linked to a, a few uh, contenders, and I feel like he's not the type of guy who will swing a, a finals race, but I do think he is the type of guy that, that perfectly encapsulates what I was saying. He can make some plays to make or break a run to the final. We saw him do it in Phoenix. We saw him do it in Miami, and he's a guy who played his college ball in Marquette, so it will be a homecoming of some sorts. Um, leave it to me to, to make that connection, but a homecoming of some sorts for him if he were to land with the Bucks and help the Bucks make a run in 2023. Now, World Series is going on, so we'll round third and head home and wrap this edition of NBA Sound System up. We are early in the season, but of course it's time for a couple shout-outs. I mentioned there's a lot of games going on, a lot of action that we probably wouldn't tune into if it was week 12 of the NBA season, but week one, you got to look at and see what's going on in Orlando or, or what's going on um, out at Salt Lake City, and there's been a lot of things um, this year worth noting. So, Scott, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the floor first. What was something that you had an eye on that doesn't necessarily deserve a segment, but but a shout out that you definitely want to, to give uh, based off the first week of action this year? Let's give a shout out to the Jazz. Look, as I said, yes, we thought this team yes, was gonna go. Yes. We thought this team was gonna go like I don't know, ten seventy two, like those sixes I mentioned at the top. Uh, they're three and zero, and good wins, by the way. Like great, uh, yeah, they, they, they picked up wins. some great wins. Um, they've got contributions for from a bunch of guys. Larry Markinen is playing some of the best basketball, probably the best basketball of his career. Um, yeah. Kelly Olynyk, that Pelicans game, some of the plays that he's making on both ends of the court, drawing charges, hitting threes, drives to the basket, game little winner. passes. Yep, he he was great. Um, Jordan Clarkson didn't shoot well in that game, but had some great passes. Kind of picked mm-hmm. Jonas Valanciunas apart in pick and rolls to the point where the Pelicans had to take him off the court um, and play Larry Nance. But uh, yeah, this is just a fun team. Like Colin Sexton yeah. in that season opener, hitting that pull up jumper over Jokic. And then Jordan the charge. Um, yeah. they, they, they've, they've actually been like a fun league pass team to watch so far. So I'm very curious to see how long they can kind of keep this up or continue being competitive. But hats off to the way that they started the season. Yeah, plus one uh, on the Jazz shout out. I, I watched the 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 final moments of a lot of those games. Actually, I watched each of the the games and how they finished. And Colin Sexton kind of calling for the clear out. And I think that's the interesting thing. People talk so much about them tanking and understanding that obviously they did part ways with their duo, but. I just want to come out and say any team that has Colin Sexton on its roster is not going to lose purposefully. This is a guy who tried to win a game three on five <laughs> in college. He is probably the most in- top five competitors in the NBA, and-, and they're finding ways to win. They're winning close games. And it's interesting because he kind of had a chip on their shoulder. That second game was in Minnesota, and I saw Jared Vanderbilt. Kyle's got our guy, Kyle Irving, you mentioned him earlier. That's his guy. I think those guys who were traded in the Rudy Gobert deal had a little extra edge on their shoulders to get that win. So maybe that kind of wears off a little bit as the season goes on. And like you mentioned earlier, those guys will probably start getting traded if they're winning a little too much. But as constructing the way they're competing right now, I'm I'm kind of getting 2020 Thunder vibes. I don't think they're going to go that direction. But having some veterans, having guys who compete, having good basketball players, because you mentioned, you know, 
Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, Larry Markin, and Kelly O'Linick. These are cerebral basketball players and competitors who play well. And and I give a shout out to your guy too. Uh, you said eighty percent of, of Rudy Gobert. Uh, hey, uh, whoa, Gil, that you should, that that was that was off the record. You can't be picking oh. this up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the the young fellow Walker Kessler, the rookie, is, is doing is doing a, a good job of just showing what he's capable of, of doing. And and you, there are people who said more egregious things than that. Um, Did they? And maybe we'll see. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> we, I won't I won't call anybody else out at least this time. We'll see how Walker Kessler is if he if that if that rookie uh, all rookie first team campaign for Walker Kessler continues, then uh, maybe we'll we'll put some other names out there. But we have all the receipts that we can let go and unleash. Um, at the end of the year. Now, speaking of rookies, I'll give another shout out. Uh, Benedict Matherin in Indiana. He, he got people. People got on him for, for saying, you know, he has to see if if, if uh, LeBron is better than him. But he's looked good. He's he's done things a lot of rookies haven't done. I think twenty four points per game off of the bench in his first three games. Uh, our guy Steph No over on Twitter gave a shout out to what Benedict Matherin's been doing so far, and he's a very confident guy. Pacers might not win a lot of ball games this year, but with Benedict Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton, the Pacers are building and going in the right direction. They have some cornerstones and some pieces. If even if maybe if Miles Turner didn't turn his ankle on a ball boy's foot, yes, that was a real storyline from opening week of the season. And as a former ball boy, I feel for both parties involved. Uh, but yeah, big shout out to Benedict Matherin, uh, another Canadian star, another Canadian star, uh, you know, coming in and doing his thing as a rookie. I caught myself, but he does have superstar potential and Shada Sharp as well is just floating in the air. But Benedict Matherin is, is a guy who definitely is worthy of a shout out what he's doing in Indiana. Shaden Sharp, man. The, it, it's so funny. I, I feel like the, the Lakers game in particular, it's like he drove to the baskets after he came off the bench, got a shot block by Anthony Davis. I feel like I remember him missing a defensive rotation pretty bad. And then he just has that alley-oop, right, on the fast break where LeBron's trying to defend yeah. it. And then a couple minutes later to the start of the second quarter, he almost had a putback off of a miss where his yeah. head again was like at the rim. Um, he's just going to be so much fun to watch this season because I feel like it is just going to be a roller coaster of like, takes a really bad shot, gets a bad turnover, and then he does something absolutely spectacular. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I see the potential there. Um, so he, he's been fun. Um, the rookie class in general has gone off to a good start, I feel like. There's a lot of guys to watch on like a night nightly basis that have been fun. Um, there are so many guys who have gone off to a great start to the season. There's one that I feel like no one's talking about, and it's Devin Booker. Um, yeah. Quietly averaging like 32 points a game. Um, that that first game against the the Mavericks, I feel like in the second half, his pick and roll play with DeAndre Ayton, um, that chemistry feels like it's just going to continue to grow. Um, he hit some big shots in that loss to the uh, Trailblazers, and then he just came out on fire against the Clippers and kind of set that tone for the game for the the Suns. So he's been absolutely incredible to start the season. You know, a guy who um, I think he was All NBA first team last season for the first time in his career got some MVP love. If Devin Booker can kind of take another step. Um, I, I think that's going to, you know, take away a lot of those concerns that we had about the Suns going into the season. Not all of them, but but some of them. So he, he's been absolutely incredible. Um, you know, a few other names here. Donovan Mitchell, um, really great start with the Cavs. And they needed it mm -hmm. with Darius Garland having yeah. that eye injury yeah. and being sidelined. You know, th this Cavaliers team really struggled offensively. Um, I didn't feel like they any anyone but Darius Garland could create at times last season. And I think this is huge, obviously, for this Cavaliers team to reach their full potential. Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland need to be able to play off of each other. But I think the fact that they've been without Darius Garland for two of these games, two and a half of these games, and Donovan Mitchell has done what he's been able to do, um, super encouraging stuff. 
Absolutely. I think somebody pointed out just how efficient Donovan Mitchell has been. And obviously things aren't going to be as red hot as they are to start the season. But, you know, even if it regresses a little bit to the mean, I think it's very encouraging, especially when Darius Garland is back in the lineup for them. I think the Cavaliers have done a lot to set them up for the immediate future and the distant future with the way this team uh, is constructed uh, for them. And one last shout out I want to give to the guys who we have not seen play in a long time and are back. I mentioned it a little bit earlier, Kawhi Leonard. I was getting antsy with when you know he sat for the first, I think, 18 minutes of the game. But in retrospect, it makes a lot of sense. When you see guys go on minutes restrictions, a lot of times they aren't able to play in clutch time. Well, he was able to play in clutch time because he uh, missed out so much time. And in Kawhi fashion, I saw a quote. He said he just tricked himself to thinking he was in foul trouble, and that's how he was okay uh, with sitting <laughs> so long on the sideline to start the game. Zion Williamson in New Orleans has been awesome. Dealing with some some minor nagging injuries now early on in the year and that loss to the Jazz that we mentioned, but it's just good to see him back on the floor. He's transformed his body, looks great out there. Jamal Murray as well. Um, dealing with a little bit of, uh, of issues getting back into his form, and Jokic had a funny quote about that, saying he knows Jamal Murray's going to be bad for about 20 games, uh, but just to have him back gives the Nuggets a, another dynamic, and they got a, a pretty surprising win over the Warriors on the road. I feel like the Warriors had their ring night hangover, not against the Lakers, but against the Nuggets in that game. So it's huge. Great to see those guys back. The game is much more fun when those guys are in action. And now we have a new crop of rookies. So the game is just getting better and better and all the young talent as well. We mentioned Devin Booker and Jason Tatum. And we didn't even really talk about Luka Doncic, but trust me, I'm sure we will talk a lot about Luka Doncic on NBA Sound System throughout the 2022-23 NBA season. I said one more shout-out, but I lied. One more shout-out for all of you out there. Subscribe to us on NBA Sound System. We are back after a long off-season. Appreciate the subscriptions wherever you get your podcast. We are back weekly with episodes of NBA Sound System covering everything that's going on in the league and keeping you up to date with the biggest stories from coast to coast. And also check us out over on Sporting News NBA and NBA Global, Scott and I covering everything going on in the league from the Heat to the Raptors to the Trailblazers all the way down to the Suns and everything in between. Thanks again for tuning in. Looking forward to doing this again for Scott Rafferty. I'm Gil McGregor reminding you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get these right into your feed every time they drop. Catch you next week.